You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out on this Wednesday morning, the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. It's been a great morning if you're an Arkansas fan, as of course the Razorbacks have inched closer to their first ever college national championship on the diamond. Yeah, took the 1-0 lead with the uh, 4-1 victory last night against Oregon State. And, you know, there were a lot of things to, to come out of this. The biggest thing is uh, we assume Heinlich's use him his baseball career or at least his college career uh ends with a a loss uh, in in the college world series i'm not sure you know he didn't get drafted last year i'm not sure what's going to come of his future if, if uh, an mlb team will give him a, an opportunity or not but uh yeah you could speculate that this that could be his very last game you would believe maybe there'd be an independent team out there you would think something you would think know. something but Again, um, it, that, that's tough. That's just tough to swallow for public, you know. Uh, on the flip side, of course, the night was fantastic for Arkansas. Well, heck, all what three pitchers that they had last night uh, really shut down uh, Oregon State. Oregon State did end up uh, out hitting Arkansas for the game. I think it was nine to five in terms of total hits. But the difference in this game, of course, boiled down to the fifth inning when Arkansas scored four runs in the fifth. That was all they needed as they go on to win 4-1. to one. Uh, Knight, of course, now finishes his year, you would think, 14-0 and 0 on the year. Doesn't get any better than that, Jake Mark. No, it doesn't get better than perfect. And, you know, another thing that uh, contributed to the, or- the Oregon State loss was the fact that the fourth inning they had the, you know, the, the base runner interference, which was a bogus call. Um you know, Oregon State would have been up two nothing at the time, but and they had to send their runner back to third, one nothing. They didn't end up scoring, so Arkansas took advantage later on in the game. Hmm. Something else um, I meant to mention about this game, Aaron. It was early on. I think it might have been the second inning or so. Um, the there was a there was a pop fly hit in left field, and the sun was so bad the left fielder lost it in the sun, and it actually ended up being a ground rule double because it, it bounced down and then bounced over the fence. But uh, it was it was kind of funny just to see the left fielder. He, he could not see it, and he was just holding his hands up like, guys, I'm clueless, and the shortstop's running out there trying to point his, his way to, to the ball, and it just didn't happen. But after it happened, you know, I thought about you because you're always posing the question, you know, should you show – uh, kids after they make a mistake like that and boy ESPN kept showing his face over and over so much so that my wife was actually watching the game with me mm. rocking our baby and saying get that camera off of him that is somebody's baby boy mm. and I just started laughing because I thought about you because you're always like how much do you show do you continue to show somebody when they're embarrassed like that on a national stage but uh, anyway I just thought that was interesting so Arkansas now just one win away from winning a national championship. They'll try to take care of business uh, tonight versus Oregon State. you got to feel like the Beavers will come out ready to roll. Hey, is it just me, or maybe it's because it lasts so long, a week and a half. Are you getting tired of uh, Carl Ravish and the ESPN broadcasting crew? I usually like Ravish. Well, 
actually, you know, for me, a lot of it is, and I hate to be that guy, yeah. but I'm going to be that guy for a second. They, and I know baseball, you got to have conversation in the booth. You, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dead time to talk Story over. Story time? There's too much story time. Yeah. Or when they start talking Major League Baseball. That's what I'm about to say. They talk about MLB too much. And, and, and that's what gets me because it's just like, I, I get it, guys. you got to fill time. Trust me, we, we get it. But uh, Well, there's not enough backstories with the players that, that are involved that's right. in the game. And, and, and this is a special moment for those players. This is the biggest stage of college baseball. So you should be able to, to fill that time with, like you said, stories about these players, these teams. Even if you have to repeat some stories, that's fine. I mean, you've got new you know, people tuning in that, that, that weren't earlier. So, I mean, that's okay. But as long as you're talking about college baseball, and even if you have to talk about some of the other teams or, or, or players from this year, just, just keep it with college baseball. It, it, it does rub me the wrong way when they, when they get off on that MLB tangent. And I'm just like, guys. Mm. Pay attention to what's in front of you. People would kill to be able to call this game. Mm. Appreciate that. Mm. So that kind of stuck out to me. But I do I do have – we have the clip now of Skip Bayless. I teased it. We, it didn't work in the last segment. It's going to work this time. <laughs> Here is Skip Bayless arguing with himself. This is a fan-made video of, and just pointing out just how contradictory he is to his own self. Aaron Rodgers is historically, transcendentally, specially great. Nope. You know why? Because Aaron Rodgers is hot and Aaron Rodgers is cold. Are you kidding me? He is me? not consistently, historically great, transcendentally great. He's above anybody who's playing this game on a human level right now. He's also the most overhyped quarterback in the history of pro football. That is the most laughable statement you have ever made in the history of this show. Okay? So it's it's Aaron bleeping Rodgers. He's errant Rodgers. E-R-R-A-N-T Rodgers. Here's what you won't have. So much. I love that so much. The fact that he was taken out of context in so many different ways. Yeah, but it's it. It also shows just how he goes back and forth. It goes to show you that his wavering opinion that he's so strong about, and it's not just like a a small opinion. It's either he's the best or man, he is so overhyped. Anyway, that's what I hate about uh, journalism today, and I'm glad somebody made that video. Kudos to you, sir. Uh, Hogan says uh, Oregon State has some pro hitters. Arkansas pitched a great game. Do you, who do you all think will win tonight? I just feel like Oregon State, this is the Beavers and what they do. They dig themselves a little bit of a hole. They figure out a way to get back in it. They win tonight, and then, of course, we'll have a game three. I'm on board with Arkansas. I think they're going to get it done tonight. Mm. I, think that, I think they're going to get it done tonight. I think they have the momentum. Uh, did you see – that stadium and how many Arkansas fans are there. It is a home game for Arkansas. I think the momentum is there. I think they go out and finish it tonight. Eduardo Perez is terrible. This according to Ben. Stick Ben McDonald and Kyle Peterson in there and roll with Yes, I agree. Because those guys are straight up college baseball fanatics. And that's, I I agree, Ben. Stick Mm. those guys in there. Mm. The other thing that continues to bother me, click on ESPN, and, of course, we continue to get the uh, body pictures. Oh, are we still talking about this? <laughs> Is it still up? I, I'm about to boycott him because of that. I don't think I've seen. Click on ESPN.com. No, I saw it yesterday. Okay. But I'm saying I don't think I've seen it today. Okay. But, uh, 
Yeah, that that was annoying yesterday. I don't know if you need to bring it up again. <laughs> Hogan says, uh, "Thank you, Jake." Eighty-five percent hog fans. It, it certainly looked that way. It was it was nuts. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for for the second game tonight. Aaron, you know, you mentioned earlier you talked with with Saul Graves about his '86 class. Yeah. Looking back at the the Super Dozen or, yeah. or whatever, you know, highlighting the 12 best players in in the high in the state in high school you know what class fascinates me what's that the most Th- that 99 class that class is ridiculous yeah. you get eli manning and then of course from our area eric edwards out at ocs man among boys playing with the eagles goes on to lsu and then obviously spent some time in the national football league rodney reed west monroe former offensive lineman uh, LeBrandon Tofield, he was pretty good coming out of Independence. And then another one, defensive end Brian West out of West Monroe, of course, went the route of baseball. That didn't work out. Then, of course, returns to LSU. And uh, a little guy class. named Brady James. And Brady James wasn't too shabby either. <laughs> Trev Falk. Yeah. I mean, that Dominic Davis. Yeah. How many of these guys went to the NFL? My goodness. Yeah. It's insane. That that class is tough to beat. I mean, there have been quite a few classes. And we can make these comparisons now you look back at these classes because this year's class coming out of the state of Louisiana is going to be pretty special. Yeah, but I don't even want to. Because if you throw – once you get an Eli Manning in there, that kind of defines the class. Absolutely. But here's something that's interesting. Over the years, here are, some, here are 12 guys who didn't make the, the, the Dandy Dozen or whatever. Uh-huh. Jake DeLome, yeah. out of Terrellens Catholic. Troy Edwards, a guy, Marshall Falk. <laughs> uh, Matt Forte. Mm. Uh, Ed Reed. Cordell Stewart. I would take this team. Brandon Stokely. Reggie Wayne. Corey Webster. Man. Mm. Some good players there. But, yeah, I, I was kind of looking over the list of, of the, these Dandy Dozen. I, I just don't see a, a – a group that could really compete with that 99 group. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, you know, 2001 is a really good group. you got Michael Clayton, Marquise Hill, Brandon Jacobs. Brent Rawls. Brent Rawls, Rudy <laughs> Niswanger, uh, Marcus Spears, Spears, and Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. So that's a really good class, too. But, uh, I don't know, man. 99, you're talking about. I think Eli kind of puts it over the top. When you've got somebody who's won a couple Super Bowls, that's kind of hard to top. Let's take a timeout coming up after the break. Uh, Broadcaster Lynn Rollins joins us as he will get a special recognition this weekend at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. We look forward to catching up with Lynn Rollins coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. We are looking forward to a... Huge weekend down in Accadence this weekend with the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Now join us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline, broadcaster Lynn Rollins. Lynn Rollins, how are you doing this morning, bud? Well, good morning. Thank you having. Thank you for having me on. I much appreciate it. Uh, we're certainly looking forward to this weekend, and, of course, you will be recognized. Before we get into that, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the College World Series. What do you think about Arkansas and Oregon State and, of course, the Razorbacks? Well, I, I, I do think the best two teams in that field of eight uh, emerge to, uh, to meet each other. And, of course, uh, I've got to pull for Arkansas. 
uh, being a, an SEC member and uh, looking for its first uh, first championship. So uh, you know, our, both teams are pitching rich. Oregon State probably has the uh, the advantage there, but Arkansas uh, over the course of the season has demonstrated a better offense. So. Obviously, Arkansas in great shape after after winning game one, four to one, and those are the types of games that I that I think we'll see. Even if we go uh, into a third game, I think they'll be well pitched, uh, tightly played, and and um, I'm hoping the SEC repeats uh, repeats the championship from uh, from last year. From a guy that has been in this business a long time, you've seen a number of College World Series games. How has the College World Series changed over the years? Well, I, 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 number one, the the uh, the, the audiences, the uh, the recognition of the skill of the college game these days on a nationwide basis has dramatically uh, increased over the last decade, say, and especially in the last five years. Um, it, it's treated like like the Major League World Series now by media and television coverage, et cetera. And, uh, and truly is, is uh, improving in, in audience ratings uh, every year. Uh, crowds are exceptional. The new ballpark uh, certainly has helped things. I think the change uh, a couple of years ago in, in the actual presentation and manufacture of the baseball has helped with, uh, with, with adding legitimate uh, power to the game, not, not, over, not overstepping it, but, but, but certainly a well-hit ball deserves to, to carry the fence. And, um, Things seem to be about where where they need to be right now. So the the, the college game, the skill is is incredibly uh, good at this point. Um, it, it's 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 common. It's 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 not it's it's not only possible, but it, now it's common in in the major baseball conferences around the country that eighteen uh, year old freshmen walk in and have uh, have all star type years. So we're we're seeing that uh, in all sports, and I and I think especially in baseball. Lynn, we were just discussing, of course, uh, ESPN, the way they present it. We have enjoyed when Ben McDonald is on there. You, you're very familiar with his career. You know, you've worked with him before. What do you think makes him good at what he does now with that part of the game? Well, I, I think he's comfortable, you know, with, with, uh, with what he says. And, 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 and we as broadcasters should know our limitations, and, and we should know our strengths, and, and we should know – uh, how to fit in with with the fellows uh, or or ladies uh, next to us in that broadcast booth, and I think Ben understands that extremely well. Uh, he understands who he is. He understands his background. Uh, he uh, he does not present himself uh, as someone who knows everything, but he but he's got a comfort level about him. And uh, uh, he and I started working together about 15 years ago, I guess, and. Um, he was very green and raw at that point, but he was very, very coachable. And we have always had a wonderful relationship. We feel extremely comfortable with each other. Some broadcasters, well, most, as you know, uh, including me, uh, have, <clears throat> have egos that, that uh, can, can get in the way sometimes. Ben does not. Uh, and we, we, uh, we've always just seen each other for who we are. Uh, no generational problem at all, and, and, and just have fun with the broadcast. And uh, uh, he, he's improved a, a, a great deal with experience, but as I say, has always been extremely coachable. And um, what Ben and I try to do is, is, uh, is present our broadcast just like we're a couple of buddies uh, at a sports bar somewhere talking about the game and, and, and bring, the, uh, 
bring that comfort level, uh, you know, to to the broadcast. And I think I think we've succeeded in doing that. Lynn Rollins, uh, I believe you've been in the business 44 years. A well-deserved honor coming your way this weekend down in Natchitoches as they recognize you at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Can you put into words what this means to you? I, I am uh, I, I am truly humbled, and as we get to the actual event, um, it, 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 I think it's starting to sink in a little bit. Um, I've been involved in these things for for years uh, as part of the the presentation team in in Natchitoches, and and it's a night of work, uh, and you want to get it right. Uh, this year we will be live on Cox Sports Television, both the uh, the press conference on Thursday uh, tomorrow, and then and then the uh, the uh, actual induction uh, on on Saturday. So that's a big deal to, to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame to be on live cable television uh, in Louisiana and elsewhere through through CST but but I, I it's especially meaningful um, because I'm I'm hearing from colleagues and friends and and people from whom I have not had contact uh, in decades in some cases and and just to be remembered and 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 striking some some fond memories of, of folks and circumstances is very, very rewarding, and I think that's the most important part to me. Uh, I am humbled, but I've got to tell you, I do think I have the strength of character to overcome that. <laughs> you remember the first game you called? That's a very good question. Um, it would have been a Louisiana College basketball game. Uh, no, no, it would not have. Uh, that that would have been following my career at Northwestern State. So, so it would have been uh, uh, it would have been a Northwestern State uh, very, very minor role uh, on on the Demon Sports Network with legendary and Hall of Fame broadcaster Norm Fletcher, who certainly was my protege, uh, certainly was my my mentor. Uh, and uh, I, I knew I wanted to be in this business since I was eight or nine or ten years old, listening every night before I would go to bed on a Zenith tube-type radio that my parents had, had, uh, had, had purchased for me. And at that time, it was a, a, a fairly good radio. I think I've still got it in the attic somewhere. I don't know if it still works. But it was magical to me as a child in the late 1950s. And I was actually born, I had a birthday a couple of days ago. I was born the day the Korean War started. So my opening day was opening day of the Korean War, um, which makes me 68. And maybe we'll get that war ended before, before I uh, uh, am no longer involved. But the, 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 uh, the thrill of hearing voices in St. Louis and Cincinnati and uh, uh, WCCO in in, uh, in Minneapolis and, and all the clear channel stations that ruled the airways at night in those days was was a stimulus to me and 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 really I thought it was magical so that's that's where the interest started and and then the, the first first uh, first game to answer your question specifically would have been um, would have been at a basketball game uh, at, at Northwestern State and and obviously I was pea green and very nervous but but it worked out. From a guy that most believe has called more college baseball games than anyone else in the country in terms of televised, how has your style kind of evolved through the years? I have been influenced by, uh, and I'm, I'm proud to say I've been influenced by some of the pioneer broadcasters, again, dating back to those clear channel days, the Ernie Hartwells in Detroit, 
the Jack Bucks in, uh, in, in St. Louis, the Harry Carries, uh, the, the, the Bob Princes in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, cert- certainly uh, Red Barber uh, and, and, um, and Vince Scully from, from the Dodgers. Uh, and others along the way, Jerry Gross, uh, who probably nobody's ever heard of in these parts, but was just sensational for the old St. Louis uh, Hawks in the NBA. We're going back to the uh, you know long way now in the Bob Pettit days when he was playing. But but those types of people were wordsmiths. They were they I thought they were extraordinarily good at what they did with with timing, with uh, with describing the game, with knowing when not to talk. Uh, knowing how to be minimalist, Ray Scott fits in there, old Green Bay Packers and Minnesota uh, Twins broadcaster. Um, and, and so you, you kind of uh, borrow and steal from them, and then you develop your own style. I, I like, to, I like to, uh, to use language that might not be common to, to most, uh, most broadcasts, radio or television. And I, I, I think I think that adds a little flair to it. I, I, I like to devise metaphors to, uh, to, to what I think uh, assist the broadcast and, and, and maybe, maybe sear something into a listener's brain uh, in a way that, that hasn't been done before. Maybe brings a chuckle, maybe not. But uh, that, that, that's the long answer to the question. I, I think it's an evolving process. And right, right now I'm more comfortable and should be than, than any time in my career. And so I feel comfortable trying a few things new every once in a while. Some work, some don't. You learn to discard those that don't and, and uh, hone the ones that do. Lynn, we love your metaphors. Do you have one that's a favorite of yours? <laughs> well, most of them are original. Um, I'll certainly give Red Barber credit for a couple of them uh, that, you know, that everybody would have recognized 50 years ago, but, 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 but they're new to, to today's listener. Um, the, the, the one that, uh, that some of my favorites are, uh, as, as I try to Try to explain that somebody is is really fast, really covers a lot of ground, and you'll 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 know what I'm talking about in your part of the woods. Uh, you know, so and so covers more ground than kudzu, and we all know you know what kudzu can do over the over the landscape. Covers more, and especially in March when the pine pollen is is blowing everywhere and is ubiquitous. Covers more covers more ground than pine pollen. Uh, I uh, an original is uh, hotter than a fire ant on a fever blister. Another original is uh, tighter than the top string on a Texas fiddle, uh, which is relatively new to my repertoire, uh, which I just happened to think of one day driving down to Baton Rouge to do a baseball game. Another one is um, uh, a little graphic, but tighter than a tick in a blood bank. Uh, you have to you know, do, the, do the mental picture there. And, and, and several others, uh, but it, it's just fun. Uh, tougher than a green pine cone, you know, tougher than a railroad spike. I mean, your mind wanders when you commute two, and a, two, two hours and 15 minutes to the ballpark, you know, en route. So uh, most of them are spontaneous, but, but uh, it's fun to kind of try to string things together, you know, uh, during that travel time. Lynn, do you bounce them off someone, a close friend, uh, your wife, and, and see how they play? <laughs> I probably you should. That, that's for sure. Some, some have, have not been uh, – uh, some have been kicked to the curb pretty quickly, but uh, <laughs> n- not really. No, no not, not really. I, I think if you, if you do um, – I, I try to keep it as spontaneous as possible. 
and I, I will run it mentally uh, through my mind if something new occurs to me or, uh, you know, that, that something sparks it d- during the actual broadcast. I, I will mentally uh, go through it first just to see how it rings to me, uh, and, and then hopefully it passes, you know, my, my internal measure, and then, and then we go on from there. But um, I, I just think it adds a little fun to it. Some people don't like it, and, and I can respect that and understand it, but, but that's, that's kind of the trademark, and, and, and I'm certainly going to stay with it and try to, uh, try to in, in, increase the arsenal. Lynn Rollins joins us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Lynn, you are a Louisiana sports historian. I know you love walking through that museum and seeing the different exhibits. And now you look at the, this class this year. I know you have a lot of different memories from all these different athletes. What's these weekends mean to you besides the fact that you're being honored this weekend? Well, the, 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 the Hall of Fame uh, organization that puts it on, the uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame uh, Foundation, which is – uh, now under the leadership of, of Ronnie Rance and, and Lisa Babin uh, for six years prior to him, they they have made um, some time available uh, where the Hall of Famers and I and I, I say that in quotes regarding myself, but we get to know uh, each other a little bit in in in, in some functions, a breakfast and a dinner and and. But those are rewarding because it's it's uh, you know you see some of the attributes. Uh, I've met some really nice people, uh, you know, people that that truly were honored. Larry Wright, for example, from your area uh, uh, at, at Grambling, and then a, an NBA champion and a European League champion has been delightful to to meet. Uh, Jack Haynes, uh, going in in the the outdoorsman category, winner of the first uh, Bassmasters Classic or first Louisiana winner of the Bassmasters Classic. Uh, is a crop duster by trade, just just a down home guy. He wanted to be a baseball player. You know, you get to know uh, you get to know these people as people, and apart from whatever they've accomplished in sports, and that that's rewarding. And then, as I say, um, just hearing from folks uh, that I've lost contact with for whatever reason uh, from years ago is is very very gratifying. Loaded question. Final question: the best game that you ever called. There have been a few uh, ones that, that, that come to mind, and, and, and by best, I'm going to let the audience uh, judge that. But, but some of the most exciting, uh, I, I had a very fortunate confluence uh, between the year I started with Cox Sports Television, or actually the year Cox Sports Television was formed in, in fall of 2002, and then, and then on into, uh, into the football season of, of 2003. Um, the first year of LSU football on Cox Sports Television uh, neatly coincided with a national championship, the first one since, since the late 1950s. So, you know, what a time to start. Uh, and, and a game that first year, it was Georgia and LSU. It was an afternoon game, but that did not uh, thwart the enthusiasm. And Georgia and LSU went back and forth in exciting, low-scoring games, the loudest I've ever uh, witnessed uh, in any uh, stadium uh, of any sport. Uh, and then that improvisational touchdown uh, to Skylar Green near the end of the game, and then a defensive stand on Georgia, uh, that, that, that stands out. Um, certainly the tremendous 
it was a, a, like a tsunami of interest in Louisiana in the 2001 Super Regional between Tulane and LSU down at Zephyr Field. Uh, and, and that, of course, was Skip Bertman's last year. And it went three games, and the ratings were astronomical. <clears throat> it's the highest-rated college baseball game, uh, certainly in the state and probably in the country by far. Uh, that, that stands out. And, 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 and the, uh, the, we, we fast forward to, or go backward in this case, but fast forward from football to 2007, another national championship year, and LSU's uh, second-half comeback against Florida when the Tigers were successful on multiple fourth-down uh, opportunities, and Jacob Hester uh, was part of most of that. Uh, that. That was an incredibly exciting game as LSU beat Tim, Te- uh, Tim Tebow and, and the Gators so those are some. Um, the very first, very first game I did for Cox Sports Television was a women's basketball game, uh, and it went three overtimes uh, and was, quote, they called it an instant classic, but um, it was against Cal State Santa Barbara, and both teams were ranked, and there were dramatic, uh, very emotional, improbable things at the end of the regulation, at the end of each overtime to win the game. Nobody backed into overtime. It was, it was uh, something dramatic in the waning seconds of each of those. That, that, that was, a very, again, a very fortunate confluence of events. So it takes a little luck, and it takes being in the right place at the right time, and, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to a couple of more years. Lynn, thanks for sharing your memories with us. Congratulations. Well-deserved on the honor coming your way this weekend. Have a great weekend, bud. Thank you. I, I Thank you. I, I am deeply appreciative uh, that you would have me on, and uh, uh, I hope everybody enjoys the induction weekend and, and, uh, and then has a battery-charging summer, and we'll be off and running again uh, in the fall. And I much appreciate this appearance. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Lynn Rollins. Big weekend Bye-bye. for him down in Akron. Yeah. A um, couple things. One, uh, first about that Georgia game. A lot of people don't mention that game when they talk about the best games in Tiger Stadium. I think that one's kind of forgotten. But like you said, that touchdown to Skylar Green, I remember Matt Malt was getting hit while he threw that touchdown. It was one of the craziest uh, plays in Tiger Stadium history. Second thing, uh, I think that the best thing I can say about Lynn Rollins is he has all of those metaphors ones that he, he, he just mentioned. But it always comes off as authentic. Like it never, a lot of, you know, sportscasters, it sounds like, you know, they're trying, they're reading a line. They have something they want to get to and they're reading it. It never feels that way with Lynn Rollins. And I think that's what makes him so great. Let's take a timeout. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. How about this? Uh, Wes Moore is going to join us live from Omaha coming up after the break. All right. You Arkansas fans, get ready. We got you covered after the break. Jake, you know what the biggest upset of the month has been so far? What's that? Is the fact that uh, Wes Moore is up in Omaha at this hour and ready to roll to come on the show. From Fox Affiliate up in Little Rock, he is in Omaha covering the College World Series. Wes Moore. What's up, bud? Whew. You know, some habits are hard to break. I got two daughters, man. And, and even though it's summer, they still get up early. And I mean, Yesterday, yesterday, no, what's today? Today's Wednesday. Monday morning. I had to get them up like at seven thirty to take them to camp, and uh, so I just get up early now. Yeah, and I yesterday you were celebrating last night, enjoying a little festivities after the game. I thought there was. All right, no let me chance. just say there two two things. There's nothing to celebrate, as Dave Van Horn and, the, and all the players told us last night. They hadn't done anything. 
All they've done is put them in a position to win one more game to win a national title. But you, you lose two more games, it sucks. So they hadn't done anything. Uh, second of it all, um, yesterday was a hell day. Um, I flew in yesterday. My flight was uh, supposed to leave Little Rock at 6 a.m., so that hey, means getting up you know, about 4.30. At least you didn't drive. Well, well hold on. Let me finish the story there. Uh, so I go to American Airlines, and I uh, get my uh, go to the ticket counter to check in. I get my boarding pass. I go through uh, a very long line at TSA uh, yesterday morning. And uh, I get to the uh, TSA agent, and he looks at me crazy, like, and then says, well, who are you? And I thought he was messing with me. I was like, you know, you know, everybody knows who I am. You know. I was like, I'm Wes Moore. Try to throw my identification. And he's like, well, this isn't your boarding pass. Where did you get it? I was like, oh, shit. Um, I got that from the ticket counter, dude. I, I don't know. Uh, what, what name's on there? He yanked it from me, and I was like, that's not me. He's like, I know it's not you. Where'd you get that? I said, I just told you. They gave it to me at the ticket counter. What do I need to do? I got to go. My plane's taking off in 20 minutes. He's like, you got to go back down there. So I had to go all the way back down to the American Airlines counter. The whole the little girl there saw me. was like, oh, yeah, okay, Mr. Moore. And I'm like, I need. I got to go. And right then they called my name. They're like, this is the last call. We're paging Wes Moore. And I go, that is me. Call the gate and tell them I'm coming. She can't figure out how to issue me a new boarding pass because she's already issued one. So she gets her manager over there. The manager finally figures it out. They call me the last call, and I'm like, please call them. I'm running. I run. I go to the front line at TSA. I run all the way to my gate. The door's shut. I miss the flight. You got one job to do. Hand me the right boarding pass. So did you have to so go back down there the and confront that? Did you go confront Oh, I did. I did. So, oh, so then, you know, there at the – oh, my gosh. So the, the, the lady there at the booth who's trying to re- rebook my flight says, hey, we got one. You'll be in the Omaha at 645. I was like, no. Yeah. Game starts at 6. That's not going to work. And I, at this time, I'm on my phone, and I'm looking. I said, hey, there's a flight to Charlotte that will connect to Omaha. I'll get there at 445. I'll, I'll, I can do that. Book that. She's like, yeah, that's a $200 rebooking fee. I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying that. You can get your, you can get your ticket lady to do that. She's like, I can't book that here. You'll have to go downstairs to do it. And I said, it would be my pleasure. So I go back down there, and, uh, you know, the look on my face, uh, I'm sure, told the story. And so let me say there's some great young men there at the American Airlines counter in Little Rock knew what the problem was. Here you go, Mr. Moore. You're a buck to Charlotte, and we'll get you there at 445 in time for the game. I said, thank you. And first class, I'm sure. Uh, the game. No, uh, it wasn't. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, we got uh, we got to go, right? We got to go. Uh, big win. Uh, four runs in the fifth inning. Uh, what, what do you make of this? They get out hit. Still a terrific pitching performance overall by the entire staff by Arkansas. How about that win last night? Yeah, pitching and defense, man. Uh, and Dave Van Horn said that wins you a lot of baseball games. And it's a little strange for Arkansas to win with pitching and defense. Look, the pitching's always been pretty darn good. That's why they're here. You know, they're just known for bashing the ball. And I thought last night it was kind of cool because if you really follow the team and know this team, you know they're a good pitching team. But it's overshadowed by the way they hit the ball. It's it's kind of like those great high prolific, you know, spread offenses in, in football. You know, sometimes they do have a good – defense but nobody talks about them because you know we, we we do highlights we do offensive play that's the, that's the story with this arkansas team they've got a good pitching set blake knight's 14 and 0 you know how about that that guy's awesome 
but it gets overshadowed. And last night, the pitching, the defense, those two defensive plays, Webb, Jims, Gates diving on the on the track on the first baseline, and then the the hose, the cannon from Hurston, Heston Kerstad, man, that was an awesome play. And that, that just took any momentum Morgan State was about to have. And Arkansas's dugout went nuts. The fans went nuts. And um, pitching and defense. And, and, and then Oregon State's lack of pitching. Uh, we were talking about last night. It was a walk, single, single, Hit by pitch, hit by pitch, walk, hit by pitch. You know, it was something crazy. Arkansas had two singles and scored four runs. And then they, they had so many chances last night. But I give Oregon State, you know, credit. They got into those jams, but their pitchers were – maybe they were effectively wild. And, and then the strike zone, man, it was huge last night for both sides. You know, but no one knew what the strike zone was. I mean, it, above the waist, below the knees, it was huge. And you just had to swing at everything. And it made it for a pitcher's night, that's for sure, which is kind of funny to say because Oregon State still managed to walk seven. I, I made the comment, if he'd had a normal strike zone last night, would have been there past midnight because Oregon State would have walked about 15, 20 batters. But thankfully, he had a big strike zone, and, and it paid off. You've been up early this morning breaking down tonight's matchup. What does it look like? Yeah, um... Uh, see, today's Wednesday. Casey Murphy's going for Arkansas. Casey is a uh, left-handed pitcher who throughout the SEC season was Arkansas's best pitcher. He, he was better than Blaine, which is crazy to say, but his ERA was better than Blaine Knight. He is sneaky fast, but he throws a, a great curve, a slider, but the, he throws them for strikes. And, and that's all they want from Arkansas's pitchers. And you saw it, the difference in the game last night. Throw strikes. I think Arkansas walked one guy, and Oregon State walked like seven or eight. Throw strikes. It's a big ballpark. Make them hit the ball, and, and make them have to put together three, four innings to or three, four hits to score a run. It, you get in trouble when you start walking guys, hitting batters. You get the bases low. Then one hit scores two runs. You know, but if you pitch, make good throws, strikes. It's it it, it just makes it more difficult to, to score on you. Look, he's not gonna he's not gonna come out there and and strike out eight and six innings and give up no earned runs. But what he can do is give you five, six innings and hold them to one or two runs, and then hopefully the offense clicks tonight and scores some more runs and you get it taken care of. But uh, Casey Murphy is a good left-handed pitcher for him. His last outing wasn't like he wanted. I think he only went four and two-thirds or four and a third. This pitching staff, the starters compete with each other. And my prediction last night from all my listeners up here was Blaine Knott was going to have a really good game because Isaiah Campbell just had a really good game. Those all those starters compete with each other. You know, you don't want that dude to outdo you, right? You know, it's like when you're in a, a scramble on the golf course and your buddy hits a good shot. You're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, hold on a second. You want to one up him. Well, that's what happened last night with Blaine Knight and Isaiah Campbell. I look for Casey Murphy to have a good start tonight. The stadium, eighty-five percent Arkansas fans. How would you break? Yeah, that down? yeah, it's safe. Well. If you're going Arkansas State versus Oregon State, it's probably 90-10. But you have a ton of Omahaans, that's what they call themselves, Omahaans here, supporting the College World Series. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if they're rooting for Arkansas or Oregon State. Uh, there's a lot of stories out there they're rooting for Arkansas because Dave Van Horn, you know, built Nebraska, basically, their baseball program. He brought Nebraska to the College World Series the first time ever, like in uh, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. I mean, he basically built the program to what it is now. He got a new stadium built. And, uh, fans up here love him, and they understood. They hated that he left, but, you know, he was, he was going home to his alma mater. He was going home to where he met his wife. He, it was, you know, it was a big deal. And they said they even understand it more now. I read a great story that Scott Frost is coming home. They get it, you know. 
And so they, a lot of them are rooting for Dave Van Horn in Arkansas. It's interesting. Arkansas took out a full-page ad the first day of the College World Series, basically get listing 10 reasons to root for Arkansas at the College World Series for Nebraska fans. And it, it was neat. And, and a lot of their fans love that, and uh, they have been rooting for Arkansas. So if you throw in the Omaha and who are rooting for Arkansas, yeah, it's, it's probably 90, 10, 95. I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. Let me just say this. When Arkansas does something well last night, you know how it goes, Aaron. I'm doing a live shot for the TV station, and the game's going on. I'm outside the stadium doing a live shot that nobody's probably watching because everybody's watching the game, but I get it. Boss has got to be the boss. And so I'm out there, and you hear a roar. You knew which one was an Arkansas roar, and you knew which one was an Oregon State roar. So you could tell there was something good going on for Arkansas or something bad happened for Arkansas by listening to the crowd. You know, we're watching on our apps getting updates, but it, uh, ESPN is like a minute and a half behind. So you'd hear a loud roar, and you're like, oh, man, what just happened? And what just happened for us in my instance was uh, when Oregon State's two guys ran into each other on the uh, foul ball, and uh, or we thought it was fair and then it was foul or whatever the case. But um, it, it, the crowd is definitely, definitely Arkansas. Wes, final question, and real quick, you've been there for, what, 15, 16, 17 years. Will this be the biggest story in Arkansas athletics during that time? Yes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you had to go back to 94, winning the national championship in basketball, 95 to the Final Four. This this is the biggest story. The Sugar Bowl was great. It was awesome. Ryan Mallett. If they win that Sugar Bowl, maybe, you know. Um, Bobby Petrino had a great team that year. The next year they went to the Cotton Bowl, won 11 games. That was their first time since, like, the 70s. This is a national championship, man. I mean, this is 94 basketball, 64 football. This is huge. That's why I'm here. Good stuff, buddy. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. Later, guys. Yes, make sure you get the right ticket when you leave. <laughs> Westmore from the Fox affiliate up there in Little Rock. Could you identify with them saying, you know, when your buddy does well on a scramble, you got to get him back? That's, that's something that you can't identify with, huh? You just kind of accept that you're going to lose that scramble, right? Yeah. See, Terry Waldrop is back. He's got a little tan on the top of the head. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> Looking good. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, our parting shots in the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to the show. Time to finish strong, Jake. It is a little segment we call Parting Shots. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. It's time for Parting Shots, sponsored by no one sort of if you want to know the truth about it pisses me off we're not afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions go on come on ask it ask it or you're not capable okay coach how flexible is nick white is your head in the sand can are you flexible enough to get your head in the sand my suspicion would be no i can you can't easy coach at least he doesn't disappear in Mexico for long periods of time. I think you must have been either um, head in the clouds, away on a holiday. Some thought-provoking parting shots. Well, you must be very stupid. I'm sorry. C- congratulations. Uh, um, congratulations. I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh, okay. Those are some odd parting shots. Kind of goes along with the theme here. Yeah, the theme being... Dead bodies. Dead bodies everywhere. When two of the six headlines on the front page of ESPN.com feature dead bodies, it is an odd day. It is a very odd day. Um, Let's go with the first. The first being 
New York Giants cornerback Janoris Jenkins, uh, former Florida Gator, at his house, a body of a 25-year-old um, female friend um, who had been living at the house was found dead. Mm. And, of course, you know, it, nobody's really commenting on it. The manner of death will be determined by the post-mortem exam. But um, Janoris Jenkins, at, right now, the police are treating it as a homicide investigation. So Jenkins is advised by his attorneys to remain in Florida right now and, and kind of steer clear of this situation. But uh, very, very odd. Mm. He, of course, was um, taking place in the, or competing in the Giants minicamp while uh, this was going on. You buried the better story. The better story, though, is with the Atlanta Braves. A worker stumbled upon a human body in a beer cooler. In a beer cooler. A Cobb County police spokesman told reporters that the body has been identified as a third-party contractor and was found by another worker. This is still an active investigation, so I am unable to speculate whether or not foul play is a factor. I would think it would have to be. <laughs> right? Or just went in the cooler and drank Dude. too much and oh, froze to death? No. That's like, as as a being claustrophobic, that's like one of my greatest fears. Like being locked in something mm. without oxygen. Oh, being frozen to death? Oh. Mm. The Braves and the Reds, they'll continue to play. The <laughs> yeah. game went on. What a crazy, crazy Was that story. cooler closed down? I hope so. <laughs> I certainly hope so. But, yeah. Like you said, it's not every day you have two stories about dead bodies being discovered in the sports world. Hopefully it won't have it again. Yeah. <laughs> it brings some uplifting stories to us today. Well, what you got? No, uh, nah, you stole my thunder. Okay. We'll you take it. the lead. Tomorrow, what do we got going on tomorrow? We're going to do top ten yes. Thursday. So the idea was? I think what we're going to do is we're going to do top ten college football players in northeast Louisiana heading into 2018. So basically going to be taking Grambling, Tech, and ULM coming up with our top 10 football players entering this We've got season. some pretty good players this year. Yes. It will be tough to form the list. I think I think I know who I want in my list. It will be tough to rank them. Gary's got a good parting shot here on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. I don't feel sorry for Heimlich. I feel sorry for the young girl's life he ruined. He is a great example that there are unforgivable sins in the court of public opinion and should be in jail. Yeah, I don't think many feel sorry for Heimlich. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, so tomorrow, top ten Thursday. Plus, we look forward to catching up with Paul Letlow, our old buddy. He'll join us. We'll discuss Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. He's a big part of that, and he certainly makes his way down there every single year. So uh, Paul will join us around 8 o'clock or so. I'm sure we'll have another guest or two, plus we'll have a complete wrap-up of Arkansas versus Oregon State. We'll have a complete wrap-up of the series. I think Arkansas wins it tonight. I think we're going to a game three. Mm, I got Arkansas. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Morning Drive. We'll yell at you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.